you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know what happens if you love your work? You've figured out a way to blend passion, wisdom, you figured out a way to live life fully, I'll bet you laugh a lot and are making a difference in the world. Those are the results of work that is meaningful, purposeful, work that you love, work that makes a difference, and work that is profitable, incidentally. Those all go together. That's what we're going to be talking about right here, where each week we take your questions, break them down, discuss them together, figure out ways we can all go to higher, higher levels of success. You know, work is not just an exchange of time for a paycheck. We know better than that. Work is our best opportunity to live out our calling and to create the legacy we want to leave behind. Well, I am Dan Meller. This is the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Here are some of the things we're going to be discussing today. Dan, I feel restless, but I'm not sure of my next move. What would Dan do? We'll talk about that. Dan, do you think listening to audiobooks really counts as reading a book? Interesting question. How do we get education? How do we improve ourselves? Lots of ways to do that. We'll talk about that. Dan, I've been making wigs for clients with hair loss, but I feel limited and discouraged in that I'm not doing enough to promote it. How about this one? This is an interesting one. Dan, since I'm an atheist, will I be able to apply your principles in wisdom meets passion to my life. And Dan, how does someone with social anxiety get out there and get a better job? Well, interesting questions as always. If you've got a question, just go to the 48days.com link. Go to the 48days.com site. Click on the podcast link and you can submit your question there. I'd be happy to entertain that for an upcoming show. Here's our quotation for the week, this comes from Frederick Beckner, theologian, author, writer. When you remember me, it means that you have carried something of who I am with you, that I have left some mark of you, who I am on who you are. It means that you can summon me back to your mind, even though countless years and miles may stand between us. It means that if we meet again, you will know me. It means that even after I die, you can still see my face and hear my voice and speak to me in your heart. For as long as you remember me, I'm never entirely lost. Well, we have a lot of ways to connect with people these days to create memories and certainly to be doing things that leave a legacy, things that go beyond just our normal life here. Maybe, maybe I'm, I've gone to too many funerals recently. Well, I've gone to some funerals recently of friends who just boom, just all of a sudden they're gone. But it's made me kind of think more about that, discuss with my children some of the issues that we want to have discussed in advance so people aren't left in the lurch having to make a lot of emotional decisions at one time it's been interesting i mean joanna and i aren't being morose about it at all but just looking at you know how how do we want to be remembered what do we want to do when uh, our death comes as certainly it will whether it be through old age sickness a car accident or falling off a cliff i mean things just happen And we've actually had fun in just going through and making some of the, uh, identifying some of the details that we want to have in place to make that an easy transition for those who are still remaining here. Well, anyway, moving on, uh, Dennis 
from Fayetteville, North Carolina says, Dan, thanks for your podcast. Seeking guidance about what Dan would do. I've been at my current job for almost two years. I try to keep a positive attitude and work very hard, but seem to only get marginal results despite my best efforts. I do not enjoy my work except for a couple of fringe benefits. I have a wife, kids, and a mortgage to support. I feel restless, but I'm not sure my next move. What would Dan do? Dan would be creating an exit plan in the next 30 days is what Dan would be doing. I mean, I just, um, I just have very low tolerance, very short line of patience for enduring the situation as you describe it. You don't enjoy your work except for a couple of fringe benefits. You know, you find it hard to maintain a positive attitude. I mean, wow. How can it be responsible, even with a wife, a kids, and a mortgage to support? How can it be responsible to force yourself to be in something where you're going to be marginal at best? How can you expect to be your very best in the situation that you describe? Now, what you're implying is that if you move, you're somehow negating your responsibility to your wife, kids, and the mortgage. No, you're being more responsible, not less, by moving away from this situation into something that's a better fit, something where there's a better release of your very best skills and talents, where you release your passions, your dreams. And in that, guess what? Money shows up in unexpected ways. Expect that. Expect the moving away from what is marginal at best to something that's ideal to increase your time freedom, your income. I mean, why wouldn't it do all those things? Don't expect there to be a downward move if you move away from something that you're just enduring. Don't expect that in being responsible that you are being the very best that you can be. It just doesn't work that way. It's just counterintuitive. Didn't think about it. You can't be your very best. You can't be doing your best work, your most productive or profitable work under the situations you described. So yeah, I would look inward, take a fresh look at who you are. What is it that is unique? What is your highest value to an organization or company? And then do a job search. Go back to that section, job search in 48 days to the work you love. If you need a refresher, How do you do that? Identify 30 to 40 companies that would be potential matches for you. Contact them. Do the three-stage contact that I lay out where you do an introduction letter, then a cover letter and and resume, then a phone follow-up. That leads into interviews, new opportunities, and today's a wonderful time to do that. You don't need to worry about wait until the economy gets better when more people are hiring. No, there are companies that are waiting for people who understand clearly what their value is Get back in a job search, do that, but do that in a 30-day period so that you expect in a 48-day period to be moving into a new opportunity that's a better fit for you. Well, here comes a question from um, Jeff, who says, Dan, I just finished the audio book of Wisdom Meets Passion, in which you talk about reading one nonfiction book a month to better oneself. Since I read so slowly, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Therefore, I'm asking the bookmaster, do you think listening to audiobooks really counts as reading a book? Since, at least for me, you do not get quite the same out of the audio as you do a printed hardback book. Absolutely, it counts. To start with, you know, who, who's counting what here? I mean, it's not, there's no pride to be had in just listing books that you've read. I mean, last year I... I read 74 books. Yeah, I do keep a list of those so I can review very quickly. 
you know, which books that I read. And I can go back to my bookshelves and pull something off, see how I postmarked it, underlined things, what was significant to me three years ago when I read that. You know, so I do keep track of it. But it's not just so I can have bragging rights that here's a list of books that I read. No, it's for the learning that takes place. So it doesn't really matter how you get that. If you get that better through audio than reading, fantastic. I mean, my son, Jared, with whom I wrote our current book, Wisdom Meets Passion, is not a reader. I mean, he probably couldn't list six books in the last six years that he's read all the way through. But he's incredibly brilliant and up to date with everything that's happening because of how he does learn. So he scans things on the Internet. He is an audio learner. Any book that I want him to access, we get the audio copy for him he just downloads that i mean he knows the lyrics to four thousand different songs probably all the way through but he, he learns in a different way so validate the way that you learn and that's perfectly fine i'm thinking about subscribing to success magazine's executive book program where you just get book summaries where in 10 minutes in an audio program you just get the highlights of a book so i mean most books have one or two real strong concepts in them I mean, if you are reading Tony Robbins materials, I mean, I don't care what book of his that 20 books that he's written or whatever, the concept is find somebody who's doing what you want to do and model their behavior. End of story. That's it. I mean, if you want to know what Robert Schuller writes about in all of his books, it's possibility thinking. Think possibilities. Think positive. I mean, there are people who you can understand the principle in the book in one short synopsis. And I'm thinking about doing that with the Success Executive Books program, where I just get audio clips that give you the basic premises of the book. I mean, those count. I mean, again, just validate how you learn best. That's the point here. It's not so that you can make a list of books so you can share that with anybody else. Well, Sheila from um, Texas says, thanks so much for your guidance. I started my first step to my goal by starting a blog at multitaskingmother.wordpress.com. It needs some work, but it's a start. I need some help on how I can get from the blog to writing an ebook. Eventually, I'd like to be a parent coach. I have some ideas on what I want the ebook to be about, but what are the next steps to be successful? I appreciate all you do. Well, Sheila, I, I did go to your website, multitaskingmother.wordpress.com. It's very cerebral. It's very uh, almost cold. It's not warm and inviting and engaging like I would expect something about multitasking mother to do. So loosen it up. I have pictures on there of you. I mean, have some little video clips of you so people get to know you. I mean, you present the material like you're reading out of a textbook. Just engage with your audience. Just make it real. Share stories about what you're doing in your own family. Let Let people know your successes your mistakes. I mean, my publisher, Thomas Nelson, he's famous for for saying what they look for in in a book is words, stories, truth, transformation. So, you know, be sharing. How are people's lives going to be changed by reading your content? Now, again, you got good content there. And as you say, it's a start, but really warm it up, get engaged with your audience, let them contact you so that you start to build more than just providing content like that you want to start building an audience and building an audience implies a whole lot more than just having people read something that you wrote um like it like in wisdom is passion now you 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 talk about how do you 
then go from ballgame to an ebook. Well, if you read Wisdom Meets Passion, my newest book, it's just a collection of blogs. I mean, 95% of that I've already had out there in the way of blogs that I wrote. So I just brought those together. They're short, interesting. You can open the book anywhere you want and just read three paragraphs and you get the whole story. I mean, you really can. I mean, it's not like you have to start at the beginning. There's one concept that's developed all the way through or chapter by chapter. And so it's in chapter four that you really get the meat of the book. Not at all. It's not done like that. It was very purposely not done like that because we did want to attract readers in a broad generational span which we've done it's interesting i got a text from tom ziggler zig ziggler's son and he said yeah i got a copy of wisdom meets passion and boom it disappeared and i discovered my 17 year old daughter in her in her room reading the book read it from cover to cover over the weekend she's never done that with a book well that's pretty exciting to hear about a 17 year old doing that and then i hear from 77 year olds the same thing Gee, Dan, I couldn't put the book down. Got a note the other day from a guy, and actually, I think he is probably close to 77. And he said, you know, I don't usually pick up a book and just read it right through. But he said, I picked up Wisdom Meets Passion, couldn't put it down, read it right straight through. So you want your, you want your blogs, your content to have that kind of engaging quality with people. Well, this is Dan Miller. You listen to Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online radio show, where each week, as you can tell here, we take your questions. We've got some really interesting ones coming up here about uh, real-life issues. We just unpack those, talk about them together in ways that can take us all to higher levels of success. If you've got a question, go to the 48days.com site. Click on the podcast link. You'll see a little opportunity there to submit your question. Be happy to put that in rotation for an upcoming show. Daniel from Cincinnati, Ohio says, I've been making wigs for theater. For eight years earlier this year my wife and i started a side business to make wigs for clients with hair loss we want this to be my primary job but so far i can't even seem to generate enough clients for a part-time job i'm ready for this business to explode i know it can but i feel limited and discouraged that i'm not doing enough to promote it any suggestions would be greatly appreciated well sure daniel i mean that's a this is a real focused service that you're providing making wigs for clients with hair loss and it doesn't matter how great your product or service is you have to market it consistently now in your case i'd make a list of maybe 50 cancer treatment centers around the country it doesn't have to be somebody right where you are although certainly start with those then create an ongoing plan for contacting them monthly now really you can make that as sophisticated as you want to that's really a process that we call drip marketing or nurture marketing and you can go to nurturemarketing.com you'll find a gentleman named jim cecil there who's really refined that process it's the process that i used when i wanted to do consulting on leadership when i wanted to do leadership seminars and workshops in companies i identified at that time about i think it was about 120 companies where there would be a potential usage of the material that i was doing on leadership development And I just drip marketed on those companies where every month they would receive something from me. Now, it wasn't just a brochure, you know, buy from me. No, I became a resource of information about finding, hiring, and keeping great employees. So I would clip a newsletter article and send it out to those people or just reference something that recently happened. Or I would send a letter 
I mean, one time I sent one with a little rubber frog in there, and the lead into the letter was essentially, have you ever hired somebody you thought was a prince, and it turned out to be something else? I mean, just things like that. And over the period of time, where drip marketing, where they would receive something from me once a month, over a period of a year, I started to book my schedule absolutely full with companies like General Electric and Deutsche Bank and um, NFIB, National Federation of Independent Business, Tennessee Department of Correction. I did consulting work in all those companies repeatedly based on that drip marketing process. So you want to be you want to create what we call top of mind positioning, where whenever somebody encounters a client, a patient of theirs who's suffering from hair loss and concerned about the, the self-esteem trigger that, that comes from that, you want them to think of you. So you want to create top of mind positioning. That's how you do it. And you can do that in a way that doesn't require you to pick up the phone and call or go out knocking on doors. If you're uncomfortable with that kind of face-to-face marketing, that's fine. You can do marketing in a very subtle not a passive, but a, a very subtle way that doesn't require face-to-face confrontation like that. I'll put that in the show notes. If you go to the podcast notes, I'll put in there the, the link to that nurture marketing material. I'll also put a link to in the 48 days worksheets that I have. You can pull up 48 marketing tips. So go through the 48 marketing tips. You don't have to do all of those. I would not expect anybody to do all of those, but select four or five things that you're going to do for your wig making business that you're going to do consistently. And that can fill your schedule. And again, take what you've got as a great service. You know, you, you know, you do great work, but yeah, fill in the marketing piece so it can turn into the full-time business that you want. Rick from Habertown, Pennsylvania says, I remember, now this is a, this is a, a challenging one here. And I'm going to spend a little time kind of unpacking this. Rick says, I remember picking up one of your books in a bookstore, expecting there to be some kind of homework at the end of every chapter, which is only logical. One of the early chapters required before I continue that I make some kind of contractual promise with God. Well, since I'm an atheist, I put the book back on the shelf. Could you tell me if your new book Wisdom meets passion has the same kind of obstacle. I'd like to read it and apply it to my life too. Well, Rick, my newest book, Wisdom meets passion is about finding your unique passion and wisdom and combining those to release the very best that you can be. Now, I think you can just make a contract with yourself to be the best that you can be, to find your unique skills and talents, your dreams and passions to try to make the world a better place. I mean, however you are framing why you're here and what you're trying to do, I mean, I think you can do that. I do, however, think that everyone wants to be part of something bigger than just themselves, something that goes beyond ourselves. Now, you may not frame that as being part of what God created you for, and I'm okay with that. But personally, I love being, I love believing that I'm part of something that goes way beyond what I could possibly understand. If I try to reduce my world to just what I experience or understand, I've confined myself to a pretty small existence. I mean, I love believing that I'm a small speck in the universe that was put together by a master creator. Now, can I prove everything I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt? Not a chance. I don't try to, I don't even try for myself and certainly don't try to convince everyone else of what I believe. I have just chosen to believe as I do as a very conscious choice with what I think is no downside. I mean, in philosophy, 
there's a concept known as Pascal's Wager. And it's essentially this. If I live my life believing in God, believing complete with the, that I believe that there's a life after this, and I'm right, I've made the right decision. However, if I'm wrong, I still win by living what I believe is the most exciting, rewarding life imaginable. And I love having things in my life that are beyond explanation, things that provide mystery, wonder, and amazement. I mean, I hear thunder or see and hear a waterfall. I mean, watch a rainbow. I mean, just walking down the sidewalk hand in hand with my wife after many years of marriage or going to Taco Bell with my granddaughter, those all evoke in me things that I can't readily explain or understand. And I attribute much of that to a God who is much bigger than I will ever be. Now, I think you can read Wisdom Meets Passion and apply the principles. But my fear is that you'll approach it as a mathematician rather than as an artist and that you'll miss the magical parts of being fully alive. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I don't want to feel you to feel that you have to risk $11 on finding out if this fits you, if you are that skeptical. I'm going to send you an autographed copy as a gift from me with my encouragement to keep on seeking a full and meaningful life, whatever that means for you. But I'm going to send you a copy. I've got your address here. Expect to see that in the next couple of days from me as a gift to you. Thanks for your question. Well, Michael says, this comes from Canada. Michael says, I have a lot of good things going on. I just got a fantastic, stable job that will see me through as I build my dream of writing and computer coaching. The problem I have is that since I've started the new job, I'm blank when I have a few hours in front of the computer at night. I struggle to tweet, Facebook, blog, write fiction, or create curriculum. I'm exhausted mentally or physically, or both when I get home. The new job is working on holding down pumps on hold down pumps in the oil fields. Wow. Okay. I'm working on being healthier to have more energy, but I'll need a whole lot more energy if I want to do the stable job for now and keep working on all my creative endeavors. I'm drinking more water, taking vitamins, anything you can suggest would be great. Thanks. And I love the podcast. Well, thanks for your question and comments, Michael. It sounds like you got a lot of good things in place. And as for creating more energy so you have more margin in your life. Yeah, we all want that. You're doing some good things, drinking lots of water, you know, staying away from heavy foods, I mean, exercising. Golly, I, I read a book at the beginning of this year called Wheat Belly. Wheat Belly, W-H-E-A-T, and it talks about how wheat is so pervasive in so many of our foods, and because it's been so genetically altered, it really has no food value, so it's destroying our health. Well, I'm not going to go on a rampage about that. It had a big impact on me. I've eliminated wheat and I've been amazed. It's been like rebooting my computer. I've been amazed at the effect that that's had on me by just that one choice. Now, it's not a big deal. I mean, I'm not going around hungry. Believe me, eat lots of sushi and uh, still go to Taco Bell and do fun things. But I've done some things that have increased my energy dramatically just because of things I've chosen to do health-wise and physically. But you do have to create some margin in your life. Don't expect to sit down exhausted and depleted, emotionally drained, and do something significant in 15 minutes. But also, I want to encourage you, Michael, don't think that you have to have everything in perfect order 
in your life before you can do something significant or add new areas of uh, success in your life. I mean, lots of great books and movie scripts were written by people who had full-time exhausting jobs. Your sideline of writing and computer coaching should be exciting and energizing. So time spent working on that is not draining like your current job. I mean, you may come home tired and then we spend some time doing your sideline and find yourself really energized. And all of a sudden it's 10 o'clock at night. I mean, look, what I would encourage you to do is look for what I call focused, uninterrupted blocks of time. Now that one thing has added to my productivity more than any other single thing. Find a two hour block of time in the evening or on the weekend where you don't allow yourself to answer email, review tweets, or text, or answer the phone, you'll find that you can be amazingly productive in those blocks of time. And if you can find even four or five hours a week, you'll be blown away by how much progress you can make in 90 days. Then continue the process until you see your sideline income duplicating your real job and you're home free. That's the way you want to approach it. Monday, Monday, can't trust that day. Monday, Monday, it just turns out that way. Monday, Monday, won't go away. Monday, Monday. Well, I know some of you may be feeling about that like that about Monday, but we're talking about ways you can change that kind of thinking about Mondays where you welcome Mondays, where you're happy to see Monday arrive. Can you imagine that really being the case? Now, you know, I mean, I enjoy Fridays. I enjoy the weekends, but I also enjoy Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I mean, I enjoy those days as well because I'm doing work that I choose to do work that's enjoyable work. That's productive work that engages the very best that I bring to the table. And I hope that you're on that path as well. Chris from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Dan, I have an idea for a consulting firm that focuses on communication within organizations and how to help improve their day-to-day operations. I have a master's in communication. I love to speak and striving to be a writer. I feel I'm gifted in those areas but I'm not sure where to start. I also know that it's important to stand out. So with each contract I get, I want to take a percentage of their fee to donate to a local charity in the company's name. I'm taking the Tom's idea of giving back. Do you think this is a valid idea? How do you suggest making this work, especially in a smaller town? There are larger cities two to four hours away. Thanks for all you do. And and I look forward to hearing from you. Okay. Chris, let's kind of unpack your question here. You want to do consulting, focuses on communications. You got a master's in communication. You love to speak. So you're all set. Everything's in place. Now you want to take the idea that Tom's has done. And if you're not familiar, if you're listening, not familiar with that, he's referring to Tom's shoes. Blake McCluskey had a great idea where he would, and he was traveling. And I think he was in Honduras when the idea came to him all these little kids that were getting diseases through their feet because they were going barefoot in unsanitary areas. And so he started a shoe company where if you buy a pair of shoes, you not only get the pair of shoes, but he then sends one pair to benefit 
some little kid somewhere where they didn't have a pair of shoes. It's a great concept. It's been an unbelievable success and a, and a great idea. So you're talking about doing consulting with companies where you would take part of the fee and do the same thing, donate to a worthy cause. Yes, I think it's a valid idea, but I don't think it's a good one. I, I don't think making a donation in the company's name will help you get a contract with them. In fact, I think it's going to hurt you. Just, just kind of let me put myself in that situation. If you approach me with that idea that you're going to charge me a fee for some kind of service that you're going to do, a consulting service, and you're going to give part of that to a charitable organization, I'm going to think, nah, just, just give me the discount. You know, let's just come up with an ethical arrangement here where it's fair on both sides. Just give me that discount because really what it implies is that I'm not smart enough to choose a good charity or I'm too tight to be giving as I should. Now, it just doesn't fit in this kind of model. I mean, doing things with charities and nonprofits is fine and, and do all you can do personally. And again, I think what Blake McCluskey did with Tom Shoes is a brilliant idea, but I don't think this is a comparable kind of idea. And, and really, when you're talking in the business arena, I think we need to be careful. I'll apply this to myself as well. I think we all need to be careful when we talk about giving back. What that implies is that while we were conducting our normal business, somehow we were taking from someone. That somehow we were causing somebody to lose because we ended up the winner in this equation and now we ought to be feeling guilty because we need to be giving back. Nah, if you start a business, I mean, start a business where from day one, you are providing a valuable service or product with every transaction. I mean, if I sell a book to someone, I hope I'm not taking from that person. I hope that I'm not $20 richer and they're $20 poorer. And I, you know, giggle as I make my way to the bank and they realize they got stuck. I mean, that would be a horrible business to be in. And I trust that in every transaction that I gave something of value to that individual that goes way beyond the value of the $20 they gave me. I mean, I hope I come out on the short end of the deal. I got 20 bucks. My gosh, yeah, I can take my granddaughters to Taco Bell after I finish the podcast here and the 20 bucks is gone. I hope that that $20 investment from the person transforms their life, that it starts the beginning of a new season of success that they've never experienced before. And that's pretty hard to put a dollar value on, but I hope it's more than 20 bucks. So I'm not obsessed with the guilt because I made money last week that this week I have to give back to even the score. So I would encourage you just establish what's fair for your consulting. Hold your head high and go sell that. Sell it with confidence. Well, good question. I mean, good question. Trust me. Uh, Hutch from Dallas, Texas says, Anthony Hutchinson. Yeah, I, I paused there a minute because my parents were born in Hutchinson, Kansas. It's a town. I think they've got a little tiny town there. My uncle was the postmaster in Hutchinson, Kansas. No, actually, you know, that's wrong. He was postmaster in Yoder, Kansas, which I think is even tinier in Yoder, Kansas. That was his entire lifetime career. He was postmaster at that little tiny post office in Yoder, Kansas. But anyway, Hutchinson, Kansas, but you are not from there. You're from Dallas. I, I digress. Well, Hutch, back to the question, says, with the assistance of two friends, we decided to launch a business after being inspired by one of your podcasts in December. 
when you discussed Elf on a Shelf. In recent years, two of us served as youth ministers where we were responsible for fundraising. We knew the concept of flamingo flocking when we came across 300 plastic. Let me stop there a minute. Flamingo flocking. I am familiar with that. And I know that right now you got a discussion going on at 48days.net on this. And I think that's cool that you put it up there. All of us are familiar with getting TP'd. You get it toilet paper thrown on the trees in your yard. I mean, my kids certainly did their share of that when they were young. We had it done to us multiple times because of having kids that ran in those circles being TP'd. Well, a more common, a more updated concept is to be flocked with flamingos. You know, these plastic flamingos, pink flamingos, you see them once in a while. Well, you can get flocked where it means that you have 50 of those stuck in your yard. You walk out in the morning, boom, there it is. Now, it's a little more ecologically friendly than getting TP'd, and they can be pulled out and reused, and you can assign those to flock somebody else. And it's used as a fundraiser where people pay, they pay 10 bucks to have one of their, to have their name on one of those flamingos that's put in your yard. And it's used successfully as a fundraiser. Well, okay, back to the question here. Because Hutch is saying that he, along with a couple friends, have decided to do that using plastic candy canes. He says, we came across 300 plastic candy canes as a liquidation store. It immediately made us think of caning. We've done it for several holiday seasons and have received blockbuster results several times. We've received $1,000 checks using our system. Um, Now, so what they do is, you know, they have somebody say, hey, I want a cane my neighbor over here. So you put a hundred of those suckers in his yards. When he walks out in the morning, there's candy canes there and people make donations or pay for the right to have their name on one of those. And it acts as a fundraiser. We just launched our project on kickstarter.com under Kane ventures. Do you have any other suggestions for getting our project publicity in the next couple of months? Thanks. I enjoy your service along with your books and podcasts. Yeah, if you've got a Kickstarter project up, and I did go and look at it, you got it set up there, nice little video to introduce it. I think you have to really make it clear what people are going to get by participating. A lot of those are kind of marginal in terms of people understanding, are they getting something, you know, and everybody wants to listen to that radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? I mean, they really do. At the end of the day, with a Kickstarter project, let people know what they're going to be getting for that if they have the sense that they're just making a donation to help you fund your business idea that's pretty hard to pull off so i mean i funded one seth vore one of the members on 48days.net had a project here a few months ago where he wanted to have his startup funds for a wooden boat tour service in i believe it was in portland I'm pretty sure it was because I thought, well, maybe I could tie in sometime when I go to Portland to speak. And that happens a couple of times a year, it seems, where I can actually go on a boat ride. I'd love to do that, still count and do that. But I helped fund that because I thought, man, that's a cool thing. And then he did a little book and I think I got my name in the book or something. And I have now a standing invitation to take a tour the next time I do go to, to Portland with Seth and his wooden boat. Well, it's a fun kind of thing. And I know that I participated, well, I've done lots of them, but there was another one where some Adam Baker and some guys were putting together a documentary that was titled 
I'm fine, thanks. And it was about people breaking out of mediocrity in their lives. And they were doing a documentary. And for a $100 donation, I was going to get my name in the credits in the movie, the documentary. And so I did that. I think you have to be real clear in these Kickstarter projects to let people know what it is they're going to be receiving. Now, many of you recognize we just did a project. We did not do it on Kickstarter. They wouldn't accept it uh, because they thought it was too much in the self-help category rather than being just uh, something where you were going to build a physical business. But we did it on Indiegogo. Now, in that, everybody who contributed got something. I mean, they got a book with a Ubuntu medallion that my son Jared designed, and we had them cast in brass. They're beautiful medallions. I mean, or you got four copies of the book or eight copies of the book, or you got a chance to participate in a teleseminar, or you had a chance to come to our live, amazing book release party that we did a couple weeks ago, or you have an opportunity to come spend a couple nights here at the sanctuary. We had a couple people that did that. So we had it real clear what people were getting. I think you have to do that if you're going to be successful in a Kickstarter thing. To get attention, yes, do a blog. Comment on other people's blogs. Make yourself available for interviews so you can talk about how unique this idea about caning is and what you plan to do and you know, some cool ideas and application of that or go cane the mayor's yard and take pictures of him coming out in the morning or do something like that to get to get newsworthy coverage i mean there's a kid right now what does he do he he shows up in videos like you know if it's at the the world tennis championships he pops up and he's he's dressed like a chicken and he's doing he's his thing is being against deforestation he's like the bird man or something and he keeps popping up in Uh, news clips and things in the background and that's his thing well he's getting all kinds of coverage on youtube and all because he's this goofy guy and he pops in the back of you know camera interviews with other people or when they're covering some kind of a, a news event he just pops up yeah you can be goofy in this you can do things that get that kind of coverage for you so people get start noticing what is this all about this keening thing they're doing but then use twitter facebook all of those I mean, this is a new and novel way to draw attention to what you're doing. Just make sure there's enough value for your audience to participate so it doesn't appear that you need contributions. There's, this is more art than science, trust me. I mean, there's no identified logical way of moving through to make these projects successful. You just get out there and do it. I mean, if we used it as part of the launching of this new book, Wisdom Meets Passion. That's certainly not something that you see authors do. I mean, authors hope to get an opportunity to sit at a desk in Barnes and Noble some Wednesday evening from six to eight o'clock and hope that eight people come by and buy their book. That's what they consider a book launch. Well, we want to do things that are unique, things that are different. That's why we threw this fantastic party. I mean, we, we had a budget, we budgeted $6,000 to throw a party for a whole bunch of people, media people, movers and shakers, sneezers, friends of ours. We wanted to be there. We had amazing food display and the whole thing. Now we did a Kickstarter project where we raised, you know, more than double that back immediately. So we really were able to wash out the cost on it, but we were doing unique things that authors don't normally do just to get a buzz going about wisdom meets passion. That's working pretty well for us. And, and I commend you on doing something that is unique like that. Hey, let me throw in another little transition music here. Again, just to remind you, you're listening to Dan Meller on the 48 Days Online radio show, where each week we take your questions, unpack them here, 
try to figure out how can we all learn these things. I mean, like what I was just talking about. Boy, that's something that a year ago we wouldn't have even understood what was going on. Now we're doing these projects on Indiegogo, Kickstarter, other ways of unique ways of getting initial funding. Exciting to talk about and share together. If you got a question, just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, shoot your question in. I'd be happy to entertain that for an upcoming show. Bill from Tupelo. Man, I can't help. I mean, doesn't everybody think about Elvis when they think about Tupelo? How could you think about anything else? That must be its claim to fame. Tupelo, right straight down from where I live. You can jump right on the Natchez Trace. You can ride your bike if you want to on the trails that go right down to Tupelo. It's a wonderful, wonderful drive. Anyway, Bill from Tupelo says, Dan, I'm looking at the chalet rental business in East Tennessee. I have a local connection there who has a one million one million plus a month web following. He's willing to help me market the business. It would be done virtual as I live in Mississippi. I would manage cabins only, no investments. This has been a dream business for me, just trying to get the courage to move forward. It takes about 15000 to get started. I don't need a local office or brick and mortar expenses. Biggest expense is marketing, maybe eight, ten thousand $10,000 a month. I have a business plan and would have local housekeeping maintenance people enjoy your program. What do I think about the business? Well, I think it's doable, but I, I don't find the business, as you describe it, very appealing or very exciting. I mean, for one thing, it gives me the willies to think that you're going to handle this all remotely when you're talking about people physically showing up, physically walking into a real building, and you're three states away. I think it's a challenging business model. The other part of this, and some other reasons I'm not real thrilled about the idea, is there's a whole lot of players in that arena. I mean, how do you keep yourself from just being a commodity where your only advantage is that you're somehow cheaper? I mean, how do you keep yourself from just a race to the bottom in this when there are thousands and thousands of cabins being promoted over there in the East Tennessee? I assume you're probably talking Pigeon Forge. Gatlinburg, maybe even over farther east, Bristol. But there, there's thousands of cabins. How do you keep yourself from just being one more in a sea of thousands? How do you stand out? I mean, how, having people book cabins to stay in, I mean, that sounds kind of cool, but, but I'm not seeing how you can make yourself have what we call that USP. What's your unique selling proposition? How is this going to real, how are you really going to get a unique leverage here? When there's so many other players, how can you give yourself unusual kind of margins and an advantage that other people aren't already doing. I mean, I, I personally like businesses where there's more of a personal connection with the customer and, and there's more reason for them to come back and purchase again or to purchase other things that we have where you put people in a funnel, they start with a $10 purchase and then boom, all of a sudden they're spending $10,000, you know, to come to live events and doing other things. I mean, Joanna and I have stayed in a lot of really great places around the world, but I can't think of any where we just have to go back again and again. It's more of a one-time thing. Then we're looking for a next experience. So I don't, I think it's hard to really build the relationships that lead to more and more purchases in what you're talking about. Bill, I may be missing something. Again, we're, we're users of what you talk about. I mean, we do a lot of that. We just book places to go. I mean, last year I booked us a place, a a cabana on an island off the coast of Belize. I mean, it was, it was just an astounding experience. We flew down to Belize city and then took a smaller plane down to Placenta. And then we moved, went from there, 
there was a boat waiting for us. It took us 18 miles straight out into the ocean to a seven acre island, tiny island where we stayed for a week. There's only eight cabanas on there. So there's a maximum of 16 people at any time. The, the wait staff, the chefs were unbelievable. I mean, we, we had, we just had an astounding experience. It's a once in a lifetime experience. We don't have any desire to go back again. Are we happy we went? Absolutely. Have we told everybody else about it? Absolutely. It was called Hatchet Key. C-A-Y-E, Hatchet Key. And we loved being there. You can Google that and pull it up, Hatchet Key, and you'll see just this phenomenal place. Uh, but it wasn't like, okay, now we're going to go back there every year. Now, I may be unusual in that. I know people that have timeshares or people that have a mobile home in Florida you know, so they feel obligated to go to the same place every year. We just aren't like that. We like having the freedom of coming up with new places. We've looked at the mechanics of having a place in Florida. We love going to Florida. There are a couple places, Nokomis down on the west side that we really enjoy going. But we've resisted buying a place because even there, we don't want to feel forced to go back to the same place every year. And frankly, if we have a place, even aside from the initial purchase, just the management fees are usually, you know, five, $600 a month on a place like that. So if we're going to spend, you know, $7,000, five, yeah, five or, five or $600, I hope I said that right. So if we're going to spend $7,000 a, a year for maintenance, well, we can choose a whole lot of really cool places and go there for two weeks and be right on the beach, have the finest amenities and not have the hassles of the upkeep and all that. We move around and vacations we don't just go to one one place at all but let me squeeze in a couple more here bobby from berea kentucky i've been with my company for 12 years lately i hate it due to excessive overtime and poor management i've been searching job sites and applying online how does someone with social anxiety get out there and get a better job i'm terrified to talk to people in authority and I do horrible interviews. I have skills that are valuable in the marketplace, but no confidence to sell myself to an employer. All right, Bobby, here's the deal. You, you can do this. This is a step-by-step process. Now, if you're in a job that you don't like and you want a better opportunity, you have skills that are valuable in the marketplace, you know the process. I mean, go right back to the 48 days process. You have to have a great resume. You have to target some great companies. Send your cover letter and resume. Do do phone follow-up to get the interview and then be remarkable in the interview. If you do horrible interviews, you just sabotage all the work leading up to that point. Learn, L-E-A-R-N, learn how to interview well. Practice being enthusiastic, having a great handshake, looking the interviewer in the eye and being prepared for all the likely questions. You don't have to go back and get another degree. You don't have to go through a placement agency. Just commit to becoming great with your interview skills. I mean, that's what you want to do. Be great with your interview skills. You can learn how to do that. This is not something where, oh, where you just say you're horrible and that's the end of the story. No, you can learn how to be great in what you're doing. Commit yourself to actually being great. Well, there you go. Another session. Blue by 48 Days Online Radio. If you got a question, go to 48days.com. Click on the podcast link, submit it. I'd be delighted to review that for an upcoming show. Hey, we're delighted you're part of this community, this growing community of people who are movers and shakers, people who are figuring out 
how to find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, productive, and profitable. Don't settle for less. Hey, I'm Pierce Mars, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the upcoming Wisdom Meets Passion cruise. One of my favorite things about the cruises have been the connections I've made. So many new friends and associates. There is no better way to relax and enjoy business at the same time. Our first year on the cruise, we met some wonderful people. Our second year, I was a speaker, and this year, I'm looking forward to speaking with you about Wisdom Meets Passion, the theme of Dan's upcoming book. Join us in February on the new ship Celebrity Reflection, traveling to San Juan, St. Martin, and my favorite, St. Thomas. To book your cruise, go to 48days.com.